Monday, August the 16th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the Taliban take back Afghanistan and Haitian death toll mounts. First, the world in brief. A Taliban spokesperson declared that the quote, war is over in Afghanistan after their forces took Kabul and its presidential palace. President Ashraf Ghani fled to Tajikistan. Mullah Abdul Ghani Barada, the political leader of the Taliban, said that the challenge of meeting the expectations of the Afghan people was just beginning. Another spokesperson said the group was, quote, ready to deal with the concerns of the international community through dialogue. America lowered the flag over its embassy after removing its staff by helicopter. American troops will take over the airport to evacuate American citizens, allied personnel and Afghans with, quote, special immigrant visas. Hundreds of Afghans have gathered at the airport hoping for a space on a plane. President Joe Biden remained defiant despite mounting criticism over his rapid withdrawal of American soldiers from Afghanistan, saying he did not want to hand the war over to a fifth president. Mitch McConnell, the highest-ranking Republican in the Senate, called the withdrawal a, quote, massive, predictable and preventable disaster. Donald Trump, who began the withdrawal during his term as president, branded the Taliban surge a, quote, tragic mess. The official death toll of a 7.2 magnitude earthquake that struck Haiti on Saturday rose to 1,297 people, a number likely to rise further. Thousands more people have been injured, and many are still missing. The tremor was stronger than the deadly quake that killed more than 200,000 people in 2010. Worse may be to come. Weather forecasters predict that Tropical Storm Grace will reach Haiti tonight. BHP, the world's biggest mining company, began talks to sell its oil division to Woodside Petroleum, a fellow Australian firm. BHP, under pressure from governments and investors, wants to reduce its exposure to fossil fuels. The division could fetch around $15 billion. The American division of T-Mobile, a German telecoms firm, said it is investigating claims made on an internet forum that someone has hacked into its servers and is trying to sell data on over 100 million of its customers. If a hack is confirmed, it will be T-Mobile's fifth known breach in less than three years. In his speech to mark the 75th anniversary of independence from British rule, Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister, said he would soon reveal an infrastructure plan worth 100 trillion rupees, 1.35 trillion dollars, the largest in the country's history. His government will also invest in green technology to help India become energy independent by 2047. Justin Trudeau announced that Canada will hold an early election on September 20th. The Canadian Prime Minister is cutting short his minority government of two years in the hope that the electorate will reward its handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Polling suggests that Mr Trudeau's Liberal Party has a chance of winning more than the 170 seats necessary for a parliamentary majority. And fact of the day, 7% the approximate share of jobs in rich countries produced by the travel industry before the pandemic. And now here's today's agenda. Checkmate. The fall of Kabul. Afghans in the capital, Kabul, today woke to scenes almost unimaginable only days ago. The Taliban are back in charge after rapidly routing the internationally backed government. The President Ashraf Ghani has fled to Tajikistan. The skies above the city were abuzz with American helicopters evacuating its embassy. 
Kabul fell after the Islamic militant group had seized every other big city in the country. The Afghan government, propped up over 20 years with hundreds of billions of dollars of international aid, had folded in a final eight-day frenzy. Afghanistan's past four decades have steeled its inhabitants to rapid reversals of fortune. But many are still stunned. The West's 20-year campaign in the country has ended in abject failure. The departure of Mr Ghani and his backers leave a humanitarian crisis. Hundreds of thousands have fled their homes. America and its allies have left with their reputations badly dented, and many Afghans feel betrayed. Another tragedy. After Haiti's earthquake. Rescuers will today continue their search through the rubble of a 7.2 magnitude earthquake that struck the Caribbean country of Haiti on Saturday. Few people are expected to be found alive. The death toll is likely to rise beyond the 1,297 people who have already been confirmed dead. Haiti's government is struggling to deal with the aftermath, not only because it is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. The country has been in political turmoil since the assassination of Jovenel Moïse, the then president, on July 7th. Gangs who control several key neighbourhoods in and roads to the capital, Port-au-Prince, will make it harder to transport much-needed supplies, including shelter, food and water, to the hardest-hit areas. To add to the misery, a tropical storm threatens to hit the island either today or tomorrow. The earthquake in 2010 left 200,000 dead. As then, Haiti's lack of resources means it will have to rely upon international assistance. Thirst Trap The American West is drying up The waters of Lake Mead, America's largest reservoir, are at their lowest level since it was first filled in the 1930s. The shrinking of the lake, which straddles the Colorado River on the border of Nevada and Arizona, is the most visible evidence of the 22-year mega-drought that has gripped the region. Milder winters, the result of global warming, have shrunk the snowpack that feeds the Colorado River, which provides water and hydroelectricity to 40 million people in America's southwest. Today, the Bureau of Reclamation, a federal agency, is set to declare the first ever water shortage for the river. A patchwork of laws and litigation means that farmers in Arizona will see their water supply cut. More worrying than the initial declaration of the shortage is what happens if the river's water continues to dwindle. More rationing of supplies looms. Scientists are urging policymakers across the West to consider the so-called millennium drought a signal of a drier future. Delayed. Japan's economic recovery. Japan has trailed other rich countries in jabbing its population. Just 41% of its population have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19, the lowest rate amongst G7 countries. No surprise then that its economy is sluggish too. Economists expect that when Japan's GDP figures for the three months to the end of June are released today, they will be barely above 0%. That would mark an improvement from the previous quarter's annualised decline of 3.9%. But it would be a far cry from the rapid rebound seen in places where arms were jabbed faster, such as America. The outlook for the third quarter is no brighter. The Olympics in Tokyo did little to boost consumption, with fans barred from attending the competitions. But public health experts believe holding the Games undermined the government's call for residents to stay home. Unlike the economy, infections are growing rapidly. Last week, daily COVID-19 caseloads hit record highs. The Queen of Soul Respect 
Otis Redding's version of the song had been a hit in 1965. Against the backdrop of blaring horns, Redding had implored his lover to give him, quote, everything I want. The song reached fourth place on the Billboard charts. When Aretha Franklin recorded the track two years later, she changed the arrangement, including a new guitar hook and backing vocals. It was an even bigger hit and quickly became a feminist and civil rights anthem. That little girl, Redding reportedly joked, took my song away from me. A scene in Respect, a new biopic of Franklin released last week, shows the singer at the piano at work on the titular record. The film explores her formative years as a gospel singer, her breakthrough into secular music, her tumultuous personal life and her political activism. Jennifer Hudson, an American pop star, plays the late great, quote, Queen of Soul and performs the music herself. You have to respect the effort. Pinging the changes. England relaxes COVID-19 rules. With more than three quarters of adults fully vaccinated against COVID-19, England will today relax rules on self-isolation. Those who have received two jabs will no longer be legally obliged to quarantine if they are, quote, pinged by the government's app, although they will be advised to take a test. The app seems to have been effective in slowing the spread of the virus. A paper published by Nature in May estimated that the technology had prevented somewhere in the region of 284,000 to 594,000 cases. Yet it has been controversial. Employees complained of a labour shortage as so many people were being pinged. As vaccinations have sharply cut the risk of death posed by the disease, the government no longer judges the app's inconvenience as worth it. The pandemic may not be over just yet. The so-called, quote, pingdemic has, however, come to an end. Summer Quiz Week 5 Ready to beat our baristas yet again in our summer quiz? For week 5, we'll again serve up a daily question. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting thing. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Monday A statue of which colonial leader is the subject of much controversy at Oxford University? Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Diefenbaker, who died on this day in 1979. Parliament is more than procedure. It is the custodian of the nation's freedom. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.